0: Perfection, Mike. <laughs>
1: Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Air of salvation, purchase of God. Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my side will be safe. Submission Always at rest I am my Savior Am happy and blessed Watching and waiting Looking above Filled with His goodness Lost in His love This is my story This is my song This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Amen.
2: All right. Hey, good morning. We're so glad you're here. I'm pumped. It's Superhero Sunday and a lot of you are looking good. I'm thinking before we dismiss you guys later we're going to have you all come up here we're going to take a picture of you because I'd like to remember this and I realized this morning that I don't own any superhero clothing I know I'm well well prepared for Star Wars Sunday though I have a whole drawer so there is not a tie-dye Sunday Joe but My understanding is that every Sunday is tie-dye Sunday for you. (laughs) Oh, boy. Bob can delete this, right, out of the recording. Um, I'm going to pray, and then uh, I'm going to read some scripture with you, and then uh, we're going to sing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for who you are this morning. Thank you for this place that we can come. Thank you that we can have a good time and that we can celebrate who you are. And who we are in you. Thank you that we have that assurance. That in you, we can be with you forever. Thank you, Lord. Hear our praises as we sing this morning. Speak to our hearts as uh, Pastor Dennis shares your word with us later on. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 John 3, uh, starting in verse 19. We will know by this that we are of the truth. And we will assure our heart before him. And whatever our heart condemns us For God is greater than our heart And knows all things Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us We have confidence before God And whatever we ask We receive from him Because we keep his commandments And do the things that are pleasing in his sight This is his commandment That we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ And love one another Just as he commanded us The one who keeps his commandments Abides in him and he in him. We know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Amen. i sure. the darkness run and hide. You bring the broken back to life. Only you can. Only you can. You set me free from every chain. You fill my heart with songs of praise. Only you can. Only you can. Jesus,
1: you're the only reason that i Right under
2: you are holding my feet Feeling them, feeling up, feel up Every beat is calling Every beat is calling out your name You left your glory up your throat To bring this runaway back home Only you, kid. only you
1: Give me love, give me life. You keep me dancing through the night. Only You can, only You can. My heart beats only for Your glory. My hands reach up oh, for You to hold me. My soul sings, Father, You are holy. My feet dance to Your rhythm, to Every beat is calling, every beat is calling out Your name. Everything is calling, everything is calling out your name. Jesus, you're the only reason that I'm even breathing. I am wide awake consuming. I feel it rushing through. I'll never be the same. My heart beats only for your glory. My hands reach up for you to hold me. My soul sings, Father, you are holy. Calling, every
2: beat is calling out your name. Revelation 15:4. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed.
1: As morning dawns and evening fades, you inspire songs of praise
2: that rise from earth to touch
1: your heart. And glorify your name Your name is a strong and mighty tower Your name is a shelter like no other Your name let the nation sing it louder Nothing has the power to save but your name. Your name is a shelter like no other. Your name let the nations. Strong and mighty tower, your name is a shelter like no other. Your name let the nation sing it louder, nothing has the power to say, but your name is a strong and mighty tower. Your name is a shelter like no other. Your name, let the nation sing it louder, because nothing has the power to say but your name.
2: D. Just play a D for me. Vince. Play a B minor for me. There it is. Thank you. We're back. Yeah. Vince Sherlock. God, thank you for your grace. Oh man, I need it. And uh, we all do. We thank you for this uh, opportunity to sing your praises. Lord, we thank you that uh, you came walking out on that water and the disciples were just kind of floating out there and uh, like, hey, there's Jesus. (laughs) And then you called Peter out to you. And as long as he kept his eyes on you, he was okay. As long as we keep our eyes on you, we're okay. Help us to actually do that because I know a lot of times we don't. But we know we can trust in you. We know that when you call us out, you'll sustain us as long as we keep our focus where it needs to be. Help us, Lord. Help us. Y'all can have a seat. I'm gonna need all my superheroes up front. Anybody wearing any superhero paraphernalia? Up on here, we're gonna take your picture. Ushers can come on down, and uh, Corey's going to come up and pray for us. Okay. Oh, and the kids can go, please.
3: <laughs> I beat you to it. We'll let the superhero chaos calm down a bit. Good morning, everybody. I've been asked to pray, and you know I can't not talk, so I've got to talk for two seconds. I was thinking uh, as we were singing that song, Spirit Lead Me Where My Trust Is Without Borders. um, Sometimes that gets repetitive because I've sang it a thousand times. But I was challenged in that to um, do some things that the Lord is putting on my heart. So I don't know if you all are in that place where the Lord is challenging you to take a step higher. And there's something that he's calling you to that maybe you're reservedly holding on to. I want to start serving, but I'm afraid or... Whatever it is, um, maybe it's in giving. We're getting ready to take the offertory, and for some of you, it's easy to write a check, and for some of you, it's a little bit harder as you start to trust the Lord with all the parts of your life Um, instead of just the compartmentalizing of this file folder. I'm good with this, and I'm good with that, but I'm going to hold on to this a little bit. So I'm going to pray, and um, I'm going to invite you all to cast a little bit of that in front of him, maybe take a step to... um, uh, A step to embrace something that he might be calling you to? I see a lot of faces not shaking their heads like, yes, I'm so excited about this. Um, But yeah, I just was sensing that as we were singing. So, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. So there's borders that we have set up in our minds that we have to let drop and let the King of Kings do his thing, okay? We're at the feet of Jesus here. So let's bring our offering um, this morning. If you'd pray with me, I'd appreciate it. God, we are uh, grateful, uh, grateful to be able to assemble. Uh, There's something tangible about just excitement in this room, and as we are presenting our bodies as sacrifices to you, we're getting out of bed this morning, and we're getting to church, and all the things that lead up to that, we're um, sacrificing ourselves, and we're presenting ourselves to you at this place, at the feet of Jesus hoping and begging and pleading and praying and worshiping and all of the things that we are offering to you today because we need you, because you are the King of Kings. You are the one true God who deserves all of our praise. So, God, as we pray and sing and we sing songs that say, Spirit, lead us to our place where, you know, the borders are broken down and you take us to new territory that we're not used to in our lives. God, I pray you would give us the grace to say yes to you and what you're calling us to, uncomfortable places that challenge us to be obedient to you and to trust in you in ways that we have never done that before. And so, God, as we present our offering, we pray it would be acceptable to you that you would take from us the meager things that we offer to you today and that you would multiply them for your kingdom's purpose, that as we go and we share the gospel with our friends and our communities and even in our families, that you would multiply that and that you would break out and that people would come to know you, that your love would be known um, by what we do and in what we do and even in this meager offering this morning. So, Jesus, please accept what we have for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. A couple of quick
4: announcements. Uh, The baby bottles for my choice are due back next Sunday, October 6th, and you can have those filled all the way or empty. Um, We forgot to put the table back up, so Ryan has a collection of baby bottles back by his computer. Uh, If you brought them with you this week and you want to give them to someone, you can give them to a deacon, an usher, uh, one of the pastoral staff. They'll make sure they get put to the side and uh, where they're supposed to be. Uh, Special announcements for Awana and Trunk or Tree. We do have them coming up. Uh, Awana is scheduled to start on October 16th. Uh, We have some new faces that are interested in, in jumping in this year. And some older faces that are getting back involved. Uh, We have uh, some new folks helping with games. And we have uh, some younger new folks who are newer, younger in the church, looking to get involved and way to cut their teeth with children's ministry. So Brandon and Sarah are coming on to help this year. Uh, Janine and Adrian.
1: (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) Yeah!
4: So that's scheduled to start October 16th. Nikki Kloer, if you stand up for just a second before she's got to run downstairs. Nikki is our Awana point person this year. Um, she and Jennifer did an awesome job last year. Jennifer has had to, yeah, you can give her a hand for sure. It's a, it's a big undertaking. Uh, Jennifer has taken a step back. She's still going to help where she can, but Nikki is our point person. Uh, she's going to be the head of the, the Awana program. If, uh, if you're still interested in helping, Still want to be a part of it. I'm sure Nikki can find a spot for you. So just find her. There's always a spot. So Nikki's, Nikki's uh, agreed to do that. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, we'll have some tables set up in the back to uh, pre-register and to, to get set up ahead of time. And uh, so it's going to be a fun year. Trunk of Treat's coming up October 31st. I think the Bolton has it 6 to 8, 8.30. I don't remember what the closing time was. Uh, we'll have a, a sheet in the back if you're interested in participating. Uh, one of the reasons we haven't thrown everything out and so far, we've had so much going on, and it's been awesome, from special seminars to retreats to missions trips to small group updates to all kinds of stuff. So um, if, if you're ever wondering, you can always give us a call, shoot an email. Hey, I've heard anything about this, anything coming up, anything happening, and we'll forward you to Corey, and Corey can answer all of those questions, too. Yeah. There will be a ladies' breakfast on Sunday, October 6th at 9 a.m. Please sign up in the foyer uh, if you're going to plan to be a part of that. Uh, this is a, a really important thing. Grief Share is looking for a volunteer to help with the program. If you are interested, um, please see Linda Horvitz or Diana Revoir. Did I say that correctly? So I know Lynn is not here today, uh, but Diana, if you're here, can you just raise your hand? She's not here either. So uh, here's, here's what's happening with Grief Share. Oh, or Jean. Um, it's growing quickly. Um, so we need help. Uh, people that are interested, and in, I, I don't know if the future is splitting the group or doing two classes, but they need help. Uh, even if you've not lost someone or you're not going through that process, Uh, If you're interested in in being a part of support, maybe your spiritual gifting is encouragement and prayer and and some level of uh, spiritual counseling. You could use that there, and that could be used by the church in an awesome, awesome way. Um, So if you're interested, uh, see these folks, and they'll get you set up. I have one last thing to read. It says, Dear Harmony family, on behalf of my mom and family, thank you for the flowers that were sent at Carl's passing. We want to also thank you for your prayers at such a difficult time. Harmony is a source of comfort to all of us, and we know God is taking care of mom in her grief. Thank you from Nancy and Brian Tompkins. So, that's all I have for today. If you have any other questions, check out your bulletins. Oh, wait, there's one more thing. I'm so sorry. Um, We have a new series coming up next month for Junior Church for Kingdom Kids. It's called The Great Escape, and uh, This is just in the background. It's our hype video for when the kids leave. But it's going to be about the Exodus. And uh, we were talking about superheroes this past month. This month, we're moving into the Exodus. We're going to talk about how God sends people to help, how God helps us to do great things, uh, that God is capable of doing everything and anything, and that God is with us. And I think these are some very important uh, foundational things that we're teaching our children. So there's also still room in our Kingdom Kids program if you're interested in helping. Uh, one of the things that uh, we, could, we could use is uh, some more gentlemen to uh, help be a part of this program. Uh, We have a lot of ladies that are doing teaching and being a part of it. And that's awesome. That's not to discredit anybody, but you know, there's also some young men down there that could use some really strong Christian men examples and uh, pray about it. If you feel led to be a part of the the kingdom kids ministry in some capacity, whether it's crowd control or teaching or Adrian's going to run games for that too. So it's going to be an awesome. Yeah, no, he's not. I'm just kidding. That's not true. But uh, seriously, though, on a serious note, we, we really could use some really strong examples of men who are, who are willing to come down and spend some time with these young men and uh, these young ladies and, and let them see. You know, We've been talking about honoring the image of God in both men and women, and uh, it would be a great opportunity.
5: All right, Dr. Ashley, you're on, sir. I'm, uh, I'm seeing right now, um, the last Sunday of October, Pastor, St- Pastor Tim standing up here like Moses Dressed dress like Charlton Heston. and We're going to have everybody come dressed up as one of the ten plagues. No, I just made all of that up. Forget that. Never happened. Uh, if, um, if you are a member of one of the home groups and you have read the first chapter of our new study... Um, Francis Chan, Letter to the Churches, you know I have my countdown clock. Right. I have my countdown clock right there. If you, haven't, uh, if you haven't joined a home group and if you haven't read the first chapter, you don't know what I'm talking about. It's alright, you'll forget it in a minute anyway. I want to say thank you to everybody who was out here over the last few days getting ready for the Harvest Festival. And um, did I remember to turn this on? I did. That's, that's my most important job of the day. And um, I wanted to thank everybody who was a part of the Harvest Festival. Pastor John got baptized and rebaptized and rebaptized and re-re-re-baptized. I, and uh, Sherry Hawko, uh said, one of these times it's going to take. <laughs> except, except I think she said that about me, not him thank you everybody. Uh, The worship team was out there and they were, they drug all of this equipment outside and they played for an hour and a half or two hours uh, right next to the bounce house where I was standing guard. And I loved listening to the worship team because I needed a distraction from watching the little ones bouncing in the bounce house and (coughs) bouncing each other out. It was awesome. Thank you everybody. Everybody who had a part Uh, in the Harvest Festival, even if your part was to come and buy some baked goods, uh, there's still some stuff on the outdoor basketball court left over from the yard sale, and I bet people would love to see that disappear. So if you have the the spiritual gift of illusion and you can make things disappear, uh, well, there's a chance to practice. (laughs) And I just made all of that up, too, because I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play the ignorant card for as long as I can because I'm new here. <laughs> I, I want to talk to you this morning about me. I know you're not supposed to talk about yourself when you're preaching, uh, but uh, this morning I I, I want to begin to help us. We we had this leadership retreat a week ago and we talked about what where does harmony. Church need to go next. Where does Harmony Baptist Church need to press? Uh, And I was remembering um, anybody here ever hear of Bill Cosby? The the earlier version of Bill Cosby. Um, I I grew up listening to uh, 33 uh, RPM albums that my older brother had of Bill Cosby, and he had this one routine about the locker room speech. The coach gets his football team all charged up in the locker room, and He sends them out onto the field and the door is locked and they can't get out of the locker room. You remember that bit? Sometimes that's how it works in church. You come in Sunday morning, you get all charged up with great worship. And you hear a message from missionary Rick Wilson last week. It was so exciting. In fact, it was so exciting, I listened to it twice on the podcast. Because I wanted to hear it again. Uh, And he said some things that made me want to just run right out the door and tell somebody about Jesus. Have you ever felt that way? Did you feel that way last Sunday? And you get one step out of the door and suddenly you say, well, what would I say? What would I even tell somebody? And so I want to help you with an answer to that question. What would I say? And I'm going to help you by showing you I want to tell you my story. Uh, Thank you, Ryan, for putting the asterisk on there. I I forgot to put the asterisk up, and Ryan added that. It's there. You know why it's there. Uh, Yeah, I didn't steal it. Somebody else stole it and gave it to me, so I'm the receiver of stolen property. This is my story. I thought, since I am the new guy here, and a lot of you don't even know who I am, Pastor John had a stand-up last Sunday, and some of you didn't even know I was part of the church staff, because it's still very new. And uh, some of you knew uh, that I was part of the school staff. I have been for a little while. Some of you have known me longer, and some of you have heard part of my story. But I thought, since I want to I talk about the work of God in my life, and I want to let you look under the hood for a few minutes, and uh, I want to I want to just encourage you that uh, a testimony is very simply the story of what God has done in your life. And uh, I several years ago I was taking some classes, and uh, the classes were held at the National Christian Conference Center in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, and it was a beautiful campus. And they had a beautiful dining facility. And every time we went up to the dining facility to have one of our meals, this kind old man greeted us at the dining room. He was the host at the dining facility. And he was such a, such a warm-hearted, welcoming person. You couldn't help but love this man. And, and I heard him say, if I heard him say it once, I heard him say it a hundred times, I am the world's leading expert On the work of God in my life. And so are you. Nobody knows the story of God's work in your life better than you do. And that's what a testimony is. And so uh, I want to share with you part of the story of God's work in my life. Now every testimony has three parts. Though they're all different, they're all unique. Every one of us has a unique story. But our testimony all has the same three basic parts. First, your life before you met Jesus Christ. Now, If you're a note taker, uh, I know that you like to fill in blanks, and so these are the blanks you can fill in. What were you like before Jesus entered into... Well, what were you like before you became aware... That God was doing something in your life. Or that God was willing to do something in your life. And you know what? Maybe there's somebody here this morning. That's as far as you've gotten. But I'm here to tell you, God wants to do something in your life. Now that's true of every person in this room. No matter how long you've known it. God wants to do something in your life. Something remarkable. Something incredible, something that you're going to want to talk about. The second part of the story is how you became a follower of Jesus. How did it happen? What were the circumstances that caused you to realize, Oh, I need Jesus. And and so I asked him for his help. I asked him to come into my life I'm aware that he wants to and I asked him to come into my life what are the circumstances how did that happen and then how has your life changed since i want to tell you my before oh that's the that's the reaction that's the reaction this is my before this is this is me at not quite six years old. Wasn't I cute? <laughs> Button-down flannel long sleeve shirt and short, short pants. At the beach, I was rocking it. This is the last picture of me I liked. That's not true. So... Uh, What you can't see, what's not obvious, is that uh, even at this age, I had a terminal condition. I was born with it, it's congenital, I inherited it from my parents. And it is fatal. I will die from it. In fact, one out of every one person who is born with this condition dies from it. You know the condition, right? Sin. So this cute little boy, already a confirmed sinner. No, I hadn't robbed a bank yet. I hadn't uh, committed a felony for which any prosecutor would want to indict me. But I had already broken at least one of God's top ten. By this time in my life, I had already been disobedient to my parents, at least once. I'm not even sure that I wasn't being disobedient when I dressed like that. I was able to mask the symptoms of this condition for a long time. I had people convinced that I was a good boy. I had certain confidence that even had God noticed me at all, he would have said, oh, he's such a good boy. Maybe you know somebody like that. Maybe you are somebody like that. But eventually, the condition asserted itself, as it always does, we're all sinners. Now, I'm telling you my story this morning, but I want to I hide the fact that I'm talking about myself by throwing a lot of Scripture at you. Okay, and then we'll have the appearance of a sermon. Okay? I'm going to start with this from Colossians 3 and verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, teaching, at admonishing one another. And I think that that idea was was the early part of God's work in my life because the word of God was being richly poured into my life. And we know, Romans 8, verse 28 begins, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. Ask Pastor John what that verse means. And those he, whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom he, these whom He called, He also justified. And these whom He justified, He also glorified. I want to highlight a couple of words in that last verse. Those whom he predestined, he also called. He called. And those whom he called, these whom he called, he also justified. I want to talk for you with you for uh, some time this morning about how God called me. And um, I was talking with a couple of guys yesterday as we were wrapping up at the Harvest Festival. Uh, God calls each one of us along a different path, because we all start at a different place, but eventually, eventually, we start to converge on the cross. And eventually, as you listen to some, as you listen to my story this morning, as you listen to other people's testimonies, stories, as I've listened to hundreds of testimonies in my life, I find points where I say, yeah, I can identify with that. Oh, that yeah, I'm I'm seeing that, or that's how God uh, called me. And then you'll be some of some of you will be thinking, man, I'm glad I can't identify with that. God is calling us from our earliest moments, and that call is relentless. God perseveres. There's a wonderful poem, I'm not going to take the time to put it up, called The Hound of Heaven. God perseveres. He, He pursues. He chases me down through the ages, through the circumstances, through dark and twisted paths that my life or your life might follow. But God pursues until finally He overtakes me and claims me as His. My story of God Call begins uh, in a family and uh, a church community and then an older brother. Here's my family. Now, I was was going to use a laser pointer to pick out people, and God caused me to forget to bring it (laughs) until right before it was time for me to stand up and talk, and then God caused me to remember that he wanted me to forget it. (laughs) See how God works? Because that was just going to be a distraction. But in this family, you see, uh, I'm there on the front row, um, the last one to the right, standing next to my two cousins. And uh, behind me are a bunch of other cousins And uh, the man at the left edge is my uncle, Willard, who died last year. Uh, He's holding one of my cousins, their youngest. The man at the right corner is my uncle, Dick. He's still uh, living. And uh, the man in the left center in the back row is my dad and my mom. Uh, uh, Mom is holding my younger sister in her arms, and there would be one more sister Uh, three years after this picture was taken. This is my family. My family is very different from missionary Rick Wilson's family. I remember hearing him say last week, he was saved out of his family. I was saved through my family. In this picture uh, are um, eight cousins four brothers and sisters, uh, two parents, four aunts and uncles. Represented in that picture are four pastors, four teachers, Christian school teachers, two nurses. You might say, I'm in the family business. This picture reminds me of a promise that God has made to be faithful to those who are faithful to him my grandparents. Uh, In that picture are a number of marriages, all of them lasting until death did them part. So far in this side of my family, I know of no marriage that has ended in divorce so far, by God's grace. Now, I'm not saying that Marriages, families that have divorce in them are bad. I don't mean that. I mean that there's an example set for us to follow. And uh, that has had an influence on succeeding generations. And, and uh, you married couples in the room, uh, you can do that for your family. You can set that example for your family. And God is, is faithful to honor those who honor him. That's a promise in his word. These are my three older brothers. That's uh, the tallest one, Dan, on the left. He's with the Lord now. Um, He's 10 years older than me. Then Don, then Doug, and then me. Once again, with a long sleeve shirt. (laughs) I looked at this picture, and... uh, I remembered a few years ago, there was a cellular telephone company that had their ad, as their advertisement four bars. Remember that? And uh, we didn't work. We were lined up wrong. And then I realized that if we could Photoshop the picture, we could flip it. And maybe they would buy this picture. I'm still waiting to hear back. So Daniel, Donald, Douglas, and Dennis, uh, or as we were called... Danny, Donnie, Dougie, and Shorty. <laughs> you can see why. Now, I'll be honest with you, I, hated that. I hated, hated that nickname, hated it. And when I graduated from sixth grade, my family asked me, what do you want for your graduation present? And I said, I want my name back. <laughs> and they gave it to me. Don, Don, my brother, oh, I forgot to talk about my church. I, I, I was brought up in the First Baptist Church in Afton, New York, and uh, First Baptist Church in Afton, New York had and still does have a reputation for being a very strong missionary supporting church and a very strong missionary and pastor sending church. Uh, My brother and his best friend in high school from that church both went to Bible college. His friend became a missionary, and my brother became a pastor. Uh, When I I started as a first-year student at Seminary of the East in 1992, there were 30 30 students who started uh, with me. Three of the 30 students in that first year were not only from the same small town in New York, but from that same church, three of us. A tenth of the entire student body uh, came from that one little church, and they're still sending men and women into Christian service. That church and my family are why I'm here today. Now, I told you that uh, my brother was a part of my testimony. My brother Don, who's eight years older than me, Uh, I told you also that I was the good boy and my older brothers resented me for it. I um, was young, very young, while they were still living at home and I was paying attention to the things that they did that made my parents so upset and I did not want my parents to be upset at me because I saw how they were with my brothers when they were upset with them. I did not want that. And so I figured out how not to do the things that upset my parents the way they did. And uh, my parents were noticing that I wasn't doing the things that upset them, and so I was getting preferential treatment in my brother's eyes, and they resented me for it. And so Don took the opportunity one day, I was seven and he was 15, and he cornered me in the hallway of our house. I remember standing, I was standing right next to our Uh, apartment-sized washer-dryer, the little washer on the bottom and the dryer on the top. Have you seen those? I was standing next to that, and uh, my brother Don said to me, he took the opportunity, we were just the two of us in the house, he was babysitting me, or younger brother sitting me, let's call it that. Shorty sitting. (laughs) And uh, he said to me, Shorty, you think you're such a good boy. He wasn't being nice to me. He said, You think you're such a good boy, but this is the important part, you're never going to be good enough to go to heaven. He said that to me to poke me. But just like Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He was right. Uh, Romans three twenty says, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. No one, no one will ever be saved by keeping the, no one will ever be saved by being the good boy. Or the good girl, because we're not going to be good enough, no matter how hard we try. Through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Don said, you're not, you're not as good as you think you are. I know you're not as good as you think you are. I've seen you, uh, I've seen you're smart, shorty, you're smart, you're you're smart to do things in a way that mom and dad don't catch you, because that's what I was good at. When he said that, I remembered, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But it immediately says, being justified as a gift by his grace. He told me that I had to ask Jesus to forgive me and come into my heart and save me. I knew the Bible stories. I knew that what he said was right. I just hadn't done it yet. It's not that I didn't want to. It's not that I knew and refused to. I was seven and I wasn't ready yet until that day when I was confronted with truth that I understood. I knew he was right and so I did. I asked God to forgive me. I asked Jesus to come into my heart and to save me. And Jesus heard me and he said, yes, I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Now God continued to call me, but now calling me not only to salvation, but beyond salvation, because God is not just wanting to save you. He has something for us to do. He doesn't just save me from hell and from eternal separation from God. He saves me for. Not just from, but for. God has saved me for or to something. And and God will save you from something, for something. Have you found out yet what the for is? Here's what it is for me. Uh, The next part of my story starts at a youth rally. Anybody here ever gone to a youth rally as a teen? And uh, uh, I went through the youth rally to a crushing disappointment, and then a close encounter of the most unusual kind, and then a stranger. And God used all of these things as a part of his call to me. And I want to warn you that right now, right here, this is where my story starts to get a little weird. So just a disclaimer this this next part is weird if you If you think it sounds weird to you, imagine how it was to me. I went to this youth rally when I was about sixteen years old, and i don 't remember much else about it but um, this verse and if you 've been in church for a minute you 've heard this verse too romans twelve one uh, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And I was challenged, along with, I don't know, 100 or 150 other teenagers at that youth rally, to present my life, to present my body to God as a living sacrifice. Back in those days, we called that dedicating your life to God. I don't know what it's called today. But are you familiar with that expression? I dedicated my life. And it's the, the first time I ever got up in church and went forward at an invitation. An invitation was given to any teen in the room who wanted to dedicate their life to God, to come forward and, and uh, pray and say, God, I will give you my life, whatever you want to do with it. Uh, I'm going to be okay with it. Uh, I did that. And then I went home, and i nothing immediately came of it i didn't uh, I didn't get any response that I could recognize, and so I pretty quickly forgot I had even done it, uh, except I was really getting more interested in church and instead of uh, being reluctant to go to church on Sunday mornings, I was one of the first ones up helping uh, encourage everybody else to get up and get ready so that we wouldn't be late for church. I didn't want to be late to get to church. And I even started being the one to say on Sunday afternoon, are we going back to evening service tonight? i really like to go. Uh, is anybody going to go? Because I can't go by myself. I couldn't drive yet. Uh, see, I told you it was getting weird. So I had that moment of spiritual enthusiasm And it came, and then it went. And I forgot. But the one I gave that commitment to did not. During my junior year of high school, listen carefully, please. During my junior year of high school, I decided what I was going to do with the rest of my life. I made my choice, and then I made my plan and then I began to work my plan. And everyone I told about my plan was encouraging and supportive. And uh, I convinced everybody around me that this was the right thing. And they all told me, go for it. And so I went for it. And uh, I was so convinced that this was going to be uh, what I would do. That um, when juniors in high school start to get male from colleges, you know, the, the mail that says, I like you, do you like me? Come and check us out. That stuff, I threw it all away. I never opened a single letter from any of those colleges because none of them were the ones that I had chosen. I was so certain of my plan, of my choice, that I ignored everything else. I had, I had a focus and tunnel vision Took me uh, all the way through my junior year and, and uh, well into my senior year, and I was waiting to hear I was waiting to hear back uh, from the uh, service academy of my choosing that I would be selected uh, to start in the in the summer. On the, on the day that I left for my senior trip, I did not go on my senior trip with my class. My parents, uh, as an early graduation gift, bought me a Greyhound bus ticket to Gridley, Illinois, uh, where my older brother Don, now a youth pastor, and his wife and then two children were living. I was going to take my senior trip and ride the Greyhound bus to Chicago, from Binghamton, New York, to Chicago, transfer to another bus that would take me deep into the heart of Illinois. And uh, I would spend a week there. It was a one-way bus ticket. My parents gave me a one-way bus ticket to the middle of the country for my graduation present. Were they trying to tell me something? I was the fourth child, right? I was the fourth child. Uh, they didn't even bother to, to clean the nipple on the bottle when I dropped it. Yeah, stick, stick it. Lick it off, you'll be all right. The plan was that I would work for a farmer in my brother's church uh, and earn enough money in one week helping him with his pigs and soybeans that I would be able to buy a, a one-way plane ticket and fly home. It was it was Dennis's big adventure. On the way to the bus station, we stopped at the post office to get the mail. Mom stayed in the car with the engine running, and I ran up to the Post office, opened the post office box, pulled out the mail, and on my way back to the car, I saw the letter I had been waiting for with the return address of the service academy that I had chosen. And I said, I waved it at my mom while I was running back to the car, and I said, it's here. She said, well, open it already. And I opened it. And it was the letter from the service academy that I had chosen but it was the letter telling me that the service academy I had chosen had not chosen me. And in that instant, my entire life and all of my plan and all of my choosing was gone. Just like that. I will admit it now, though it's taken me a long time to admit it, I cried. A lot. And um, my mother comforted me the way, best way she could with a 17-year-old son. And she said, so do you still want to take this trip that we were on our way to catch the bus? Do you still want to take this trip? Well, I didn't want to do anything, really, but I didn't want to not take this trip. This might have been the end of my life. This might have been my final hurrah. I wasn't even sure about the plane ticket home now because all of my future plans were gone. I had a bus ticket. That's all I had. And uh, this is where the story really gets weird. Just warning you, you're not going to believe it. You're going to say, is it too late to take his name out of the bulletin? (laughs) Probably not too late. I had this most unusual experience unlike anything I had ever heard about or had or have had since. But um, the word of the Lord came to me. And this time, th- you know, the last time I said that, <laughs> the word of the Lord came to me saying, "That see, do, you, well, that, really, see, you remembered that. Really? This wasn't that. Um, this was something quite different. I got on that bus and I went all the way to the back I didn't want to talk to anybody, I had tear streaks on my cheeks, and I was ashamed and embarrassed, I didn't want to meet anybody's eye, I, it was going to be a miserable 24 hours on this bus, I didn't have a cell phone, who had cell phones, it wasn't such of a thing yet, I had a book to read, and uh, some snacks in my backpack. And I set that on the seat next to me. I I took the seat by the window, set that on the seat next to me. I was sending a clear message to anybody else who might get on the bus. Don't come near me. I want to be alone. And the bus wasn't very crowded. Nobody came near me. And the bus pulled out from the station in Binghamton, New York. And just as the bus was pulling out, somebody sat down in the seat next to me. Now, if you were on that bus, and, and if you had turned around to look toward the back of the bus, you would have seen uh, a young boy with tear-stained tear cheeks looking out the window, not, uh, not wanting anybody to notice him, and you would have seen him sitting all alone, but I was not alone. And I heard a voice just like there was somebody on the seat next to me talking to me. And he spoke my name. He didn't call me Shorty. He called me Dennis. And he said to me, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Dennis, why are you crying? And I said, Lord, you know, I knew, I knew. In that instant, I knew who it was. He knew my name. And he was speaking, not through my ears, but directly into my heart. Why are you crying? And I said, oh Lord, you know, my plans are gone. And he said this, well, Dennis, did you ever ask me what I thought of your great plan for your life? And then he got off the bus. Well, no. But he didn't say another word to me. And that just brought the tears back all all over again. Because in that moment, in that moment, God diagnosed my heart. I was doing my thing, my way. And even though I had said to God, "I I am your person. I give you my life. I offer myself to you as a living sacrifice. You can call Uh, me to do anything you want me to do. But I didn't mean it. God heard me. And he said, okay, when the time comes, I'm going to surprise you. Now the bus left Binghamton and it went all across New York and Ohio and Indiana, and I knew I was getting close to Chicago when I could smell Gary, Indiana. The steel mills there. If you've ever been out that way, you know what I mean. I changed buses in Chicago, and I got on, a guy tried to sell me a watch in the bus station. That was cool. And I didn't like the watch that he offered me, and so he pulled his sleeve up, and he had four. How about this one? No, I'm okay. I took that other bus to my brother's house, and I got there in the afternoon of Good Friday, 1979. And it was Good Friday, and they were were having a Good Friday service at their church. And so I got to his house, I took my... um, Luggage into the house, and we ate something, and changed our clothes, and went to church. And uh, after church, I was standing in the in the back of the church near my brother, while uh, they, he and the senior pastor were talking to people. You know how they used to do in church. And uh, here we're standing in this foyer area, and I'm standing there. I don't know anybody but my brother, but he's got responsibilities, so I'm trying to stay out of the way. And this man comes over to me, and he shakes, his, shakes my hand, and he welcomes me, and he says to me, so I understand you're about to graduate high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are you going to do after high school? And uh, I said to him, I don't know, but I have not ruled out going into the ministry. I said that. I never thought it before I said it. Never did I ever say those words to anyone else or to myself or to anybody. I don't know where those words came from. I'm not usually that kind of an impulsive person. I'm just not. But I said that, and as soon as I said it, I knew it was right. And then I realized, because of my family and because of my church, I grew up in an environment where entering into Christian service was an honorable thing to do. And it would not be the waste of a life that one person one time told me it would be. Now God continues to call me through his word. Um, Within a few weeks of that trip, God began to confirm that idea in my mind and in my life and in my heart in so many ways I don't have time to even start to tell you. Um, sometime maybe when we have more time and maybe in a smaller setting, I'll tell you some more of the ways in which God made it clear to me. This is what I want. This is what I've chosen for you. This is what I saved you for. 1994, I came to Orange County um, to pastor a church in the county, and God put this verse on my heart, John 3.30. It was mentioned this morning in our prayer huddle um Jay where's Jay Jay you prayed this in the back room I said wow that's cool he must increase i must decrease it's not just a good weight loss theme verse it's <laughs> it's it's spiritual and uh uh god put that on my heart and i have claimed that as my life verse he god must become greater In my life, I must become less. I must get out of his way. And then, uh, quite a number of years later, I um, started ministering in Newburgh, New York. And and for the first time, I was in a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-tradition Christian faith community uh, with people of very widely differing ways of thinking and doing and speaking and worshiping and preaching and praying and serving. And uh, I grew up thinking my way was the right way. And that it must, because, because it's the right way, it must be the only way. And uh, God began to show me through this verse, Romans 14, 4. Dennis, who are you to judge the servant of another? it is to his own master that he stands or falls and he will stand or his master is able to make him stand god took away god took away my platform to look at other people and say you're not doing it right he took away my moral righteous attitude that said it's got to be my way and i'm working on I think I'm right. I think I'm right. If I didn't think I was right, I would change what I thought. Because I want to be right. But I no longer feel like it's my responsibility to convince you that I'm right. God will do the convincing for both of us. About that uh, same time, God showed me a path A path to ministry that I had not yet explored. And it came from 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 18. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them, praise God. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God put that idea in my mind that he has chosen me to be his ambassador. and That wherever he sends me, wherever he sends me, I am his servant to whoever he sends me to with a message, God wants to be reconciled to you. And if you will let him, he will make peace with you. Therefore, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And then uh, I went to Maine a few years ago. And I served there for three years. And in Maine, I had a new opportunity for serving and reconciling. And God gave me an opportunity to help in the reconciling of churches. Uh, Two churches in particular that had split in the 1850s, two years after the one church was founded, they split and formed two sister churches in the same town. And they existed side by side for 150 years and never talked to each other. And uh, God gave me an opportunity to open a dialogue between those two churches. So even though my time there was shorter than I expected, it was productive. It was fruitful for them and for me. And this verse uh, was the verse that God gave me in that time. And I continue to think about it. Sanctify Christ as Lord. First, set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. And then... Always be ready to make a defense. Always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I know the New American Standard says with gentleness and reverence. Do this with gentleness and respect. And uh, uh, I've learned that I have an answer to offer to people who ask. But people don't always ask. And so sometimes we run around trying to answer questions people aren't asking. And instead, I realized, what if I, what if I lived my life in such a way that I would provoke the question? What if I lived my life in such a way that people will see my good works, Jesus said in Matthew 5, Let your light shine before men so that others will see your good works and glorify your Father. Well, how are somebody going to glorify my Father in heaven for what they see me doing unless they ask me and I can draw the connection? What I do, I do for the glory of God. Last uh, verse that God has been working in my life is very recent, since... uh, last spring and uh, coming into this new school year. Uh, from 1 Timothy 4.12, let no one look down on your youthfulness, or as I have said to uh, the students at Harmony Christian School and Chapel, look down on your oldfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. And I think right now at this time in my life, God is is looking into my life and saying, Dennis, what kind of an example are you showing? Are you showing yourself in his exam- as an example of one who believes? In what you say and in what you do and how you behave and how you love and how you live, are you a good example? Well, that's my story or part of it. And I just have this one question to ask you. What's yours? You don't have to have a Bible college degree to tell your story. You don't have to stand up and tell it in front of 100 or 150 or whatever the number of people here is in this room. You don't need a PowerPoint presentation to tell your story. You don't need a big audience. You can tell your story to one person. Does your wife know your story? Does your husband? Do your children know your story? Do your grandchildren know your testimony? You have an audience. Go tell your story. Father, help us, I pray to be faithful in giving glory to God by telling others of the work that you are doing in our lives. If there's a person here who's still at number one, still in the before, but who would like to know more about the work of God that God wants to do in in your life, would you come and Talk to me or talk to one of the other people that you'll find here at the front after we've ended. And uh, as we talk and visit and fellowship after church, as many of us do, we hang around, we linger, and we fellowship and talk with one another. I wonder, Father, how many of us will be talking about part of the story of your work in our lives. Let us practice that with those who already know us so that when we're ready, when we have an opportunity to talk with someone who doesn't know us yet, someone who doesn't know you yet, we'll be ready to share our story. Thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for your kind attention this morning, and I do hope that maybe uh, someone here might come and say, hey, let me share with you part of my story. Let me share with you where I am.